The idea of being born again is, uh, or to be born spiritually, is um, one that comes from Jesus' discussion with a, one of the religious rulers of his time, a very wise man, who even though he was a, a spiritual leader, was finding it really hard to understand spiritual things. And there comes a point for each one of us, hopefully, when we are born spiritually, when we're transferred out of the kingdom or the rule of darkness into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of light, and we become God's children. And so at that point, we are born spiritually. But what happens after that? If at that point we become spiritual babies, then... How do we grow? And there are many passages in the Bible that talk about growth and spiritual maturity. There is an expectation there that that's something that should be happening to us. Now, I want to start a new series today, which is going to link in with our connection groups this term, uh, in which we look at how we grow. That's what we're going to be looking at this month. And uh, you'll pick up this material in your connection group this week. So I hope that it will help you to see the stage that you've got to in your spiritual journey and then may even help you to be able to progress more easily onto the next things that God's got lined up for you. I think if I knew now, if I knew years ago what I know now, get that the right way around, I would have been able to progress much more easily and transition some of the difficult stages more easily as well. Anyway, let's look at the Bible together. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul encourages the church there. He says, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Reverent and sensitive before God. Spiritual growth is not something that happens if we don't pay attention to it. Nor is it something that is completely random. There are six stages for us to go through, and Paul encourages us in this verse to keep working at it energetically. So if we go on to the next slide, slide we'll see the the six stages moving left to right. And these are often referred to as stages or a journey, but if you're like me and you're driven and you're task-oriented, it's not a journey, it's a race. And I want to win the race, and I want to get there before anybody else does as well. So that's just a confession on my part. I don't know if that is, uh, is true for you as well. So let's, let's think of this as six seasons. Uh, hence the, the title of this talk, Seasons of the Soul. Because seasons change at their own speed. They change when they're ready to change. When we're in the middle of winter, it doesn't matter how hard we want it, summer is going to take some time to come. It doesn't bring it any more quickly. And it's the same with these seasons. Each one of them is good. Each one of them, we can enjoy what God is doing. God has special blessings to bring us in each season. And then when we're ready, God will change the season. He'll move us on to the next thing. And as I said, these seasons move from left to right, Uh, But they're not linear, they're not compartmentalized, they're very fluid. Um, But you don't jump from the first one, first love, onto the last one, integration. There is a progression that we go through. But you know how seasons, natural seasons, can vary. You know, in the middle of winter, 
there can be a lovely hot sunny day. Uh, It feels more like spring or maybe early summer. And in the same way with these seasons, there is overlap. And certainly by the time you get to season three, all the benefits of seasons one and two are there for you as well. We may even be enjoying several aspects of different seasons at the same time, even though we're actually living really in one particular season. Now, if that doesn't make sense, hopefully it will by the end or certainly by the time you've talked about it in your connection groups. But let's look at, very briefly, each one of these seasons. So, season one is first love. Uh, In the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. You have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And this season starts at that point where we are born again. We come to know Jesus for ourselves, we surrender to his direction for our lives, we receive forgiveness for all that we've done wrong, what the Bible calls sin, and we are on that beginning stage of the journey, starting to be filled with his life, being born again. And for some people, that is an encounter with God's amazing love. For others, it starts with an awareness of their emptiness or that there's something wrong, that there's some sin there. For some, it's a power encounter, experiencing healing, the breaking of an addiction, casting out of an evil spirit, having a dream or a vision. The majority of Muslims who are coming to faith are coming through power encounters. There are so many different ways that our journey can, with God can start, but it often includes a time of a deep sense of God's love and overflowing joy. It's that first love feeling. And a a healthy start may involve all sorts of emotions on our part. It could be feeling unworthy of love or unworthy of forgiveness. could be feeling dirty before the purity and the holiness of God. But whatever our feelings, they are intended to lead us to a heartfelt turning to God, what the Bible calls repentance, to turn from our direction, and to start going in God's direction. We have a dramatic story in the Bible of how Paul came into relationship with Jesus. He'd been uh, persecuting the church. He thought that he was serving God in doing that. And uh, he threw Christians into prison. He broke up families. He had people put to death. And that was what he dedicated his life to do. One day, as he was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus to do another round of uh, killing Christians, he had a power encounter, a flashing light, an audible voice, and he fell from his horse. We pick that up in Acts chapter 9, verse 4. It says, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. The voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. So Saul is the name that he had before he came to know Jesus and then eventually he changed it to Paul. And Paul became a follower of Jesus. He fell so in love with Jesus, was so grateful to Jesus for everything, for eternal life, for a relationship with God that he was willing to do anything. And he devoted his life just as powerfully to serving Jesus as he had been to opposing Jesus. 
This season of first love gradually changes to season two, learning and belonging. In this season, we start to move deeper into experiencing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The Bible starts to become more alive to us, and we learn what it means to be a disciple, someone who follows Jesus in everything. Philippians 2, verse 12, it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not working it out just in a theological sense, but what does it mean to follow Jesus on a daily basis? Now, that's already started in season one, but in season two, uh, we start to go deeper. And to thrive in this season, we're eager to learn more about God, uh, to learn more about the Bible and how to live as a follower of Jesus. And at this stage, very often we are attracted to particular leaders who give us teaching and help us. The danger is at this stage to watch out for black and white leaders who give easy answers and uh, can be, um, in their black and whiteness, they can be very dismissive of people who disagree with them. Now, we don't know much about Paul during this season because he was carted off to Tarsus, his hometown, where he settled into the local church. And that story continues in Acts chapter 9. In the early seasons of his faith, he was very argumentative which got him into a lot of trouble with people who didn't believe in Jesus. And the impression I get, I don't know what it's like for you as you read the story, but the impression I get was that he was rather abrasive uh, as as a result of his excitement about knowing Jesus. And it's not unusual for new believers to have the same experience as Paul as they try to share their faith and what it means to have found Jesus with their friends and family. This is a learning process, and uh, many of us were very clumsy at the beginning. Uh, I I still uh, shudder when I think of some of my uh, attempts to try and share my faith with my friends at school. We may even have done more to turn people away from Jesus because of our pushiness and our lack of tact and wisdom. One of the main things during this season, season two, which helps us to grow and move forward, is to start serving. This may be as simple as helping with set-up once a month or serving on one of the, the other teams like welcome or hospitality. And it teaches us that being a follower of Jesus is not about me. It's about him and it's about serving other people. And it is a foundational thing to learn at this stage in order to be able to move on to the next stage and Uh, the development of leadership. Now, Kay, I think you were going to come and... Where are you? Come and tell us a little bit about your experience of serving and what it means to you, or something like that. Thank you. Good morning. I think I know most of you, but I'm Kay. Just want to explain, uh, explain really, what I've experienced being part of Oxford Vineyard. We've been down here. uh, My work brought, brought us down. Coming up to five years... A little bit what Andrew touched on, really. Um, we felt connected with OVC. We had the period of uh, learning and belonging. But quite clearly, we found that at this church, at the moment, we don't have the luxury of our own building. Um, we've got this lovely f- facility at the moment. But unfortunately, things don't magically appear. Um, the kit here isn't just uh, ready for us. It requires uh, a lot of individuals to get involved, uh, get connected, and um, serve, basically. 
So I can remember when we got here, uh, I had to think about, well, where do my giftings lie? Um, obviously, some of you might have giftings with, with music and things, because quite often it's natural, isn't it? If you've got a gifting in, I can play the guitar, well, God might be probably calling you to be in the worship team. Uh, I started with setup. Um, it was clear that it needed a lot of people to hump and dump, basically, and uh, I do a lot of that in my job, so I was like, right, I'll start there. And I just want to encourage you, look at where you feel that you've got giftings. Uh, don't, don't stop there, though, because actually sometimes God's calls us to step out of the box, and actually you might be called to something that's a little bit out of that comfort zone. But then just don't hold there, even with setup. Um, the natural progression really is uh, we have a house manager role. So actually that's taking it a step further, coordinating lots of other ministries. Um, that's out of my comfort zone, and I'll explain even a little bit there. Like I said, we've got this great facility here, but it, it's new, it's challenging. We're all learning. We have a lovely new van, but it's bigger. <laughs> it, it, um, it takes some time to get to uh, get used to it. So you do have to invest. Um, oh, I'll have a little practice run, or I'll get somebody to explain, uh, give me some tips, really. How do I reverse the thing? And um, So it's not easy, but... Um, I've heard Andrew say a lot about as we serve, we do grow. And I'm, I'm not saying it's easy. Don't get me wrong. When the alarm clock goes off on a Sunday morning, I have that little niggle. Oh, I get up early in the week. Um, but my husband and I, Rob, we were chatting in the week about when you look at your life balance. And actually, a lot of our time at the moment is given to, to work, isn't it? I work there six, uh, five days a week, a bit extra sometimes. And um, actually... I'm serving at the moment once a month because the way we're doing church, we've got Community Sunday. So actually, we've only got three Sundays that um, potentially uh, you might be on a, on a ministry. That's nothing, is it, compared to what we do give to other areas of our lives. Um, you might not be in a full-time job, but you might be a homemaker or with the kids in the week. But again, your, your time's spent there. So it's having that balance. And I really do believe God gives you that time back. Don't get me wrong, it, it's hard work. Sometimes when we've shut the van and get the keys back to Andrew, I feel like, oh, but it, it's done. But I do feel that God honours and he sees what you do. There's times that we've come, I don't know if Peter writes here, always down on kids, we've turned up and it's pouring down. Week three tends to rain and we're there with our hoods up. But we have a laugh and I've got to know people. And as well, actually, looking at uh, going to work on a Monday morning, quite often the first question is, oh, did you have a good weekend? And I've got an avenue there to say, actually, an angle to say, yeah, this is what we did. Or last Saturday we had community, a bit different. So Saturday night I'd had a late night, but not as my colleagues would probably think of a, work, uh, a late night. And I was able to explain what we were doing. We had a, a music gig, as it were. Um, it required us to get together, uh, like I said, late on a Saturday night. But... Um, I could talk to my colleagues and they were like, wow, that's what you did this weekend. And so I just encourage you to think where you're at, look at where your natural ability is, but step out of that comfort zone. Don't just think, oh, there's a full band today. They don't need any more. Or uh, there's always somebody on uh, projection. You might actually be blocking. We've got individuals that actually God's called to move on to other areas. But if you're not performing where you're required, that might be causing a blockage. And at the end of the day, as the body of Christ, we all should be uh, functioning. We know if our arm's not working, the rest of the body's affected. And the rest of ministries are affected if, if we're not pulling our weight. Because at the end of the day, it's all about 
getting people uh, saved. And um, if we've not got enough people to welcome them in, or there's one man in the music team, it's not attractive, is it? And that they might be called elsewhere because we're not ready for them. And yes, we might be a small group at the moment, but we believe we've got this new venue. It's a new season. And um, if any time to get on a ministry, it's now. None of us know. We're learning each week. Um, All of us can work together. It's not as if anybody knows anything better. So just think about where you're at uh, and don't hold back. Uh, Maybe you need to uh, pray about it and just um, have a chat with with Andrew or email the office. Come speak to me. I generally know who's in charge of each area. And step out of that comfort zone and be amazed at what God will honour you and bless you and you will grow. Great. Thank you very much. It's not just that the church needs, you know, people to help set up and everything. It's that it's an important part of us traveling along this journey, moving through the seasons, because we do grow as we serve. And that takes us into the the third season, season of serving. It's a time when we build upon our experiences. Uh, Nothing is wasted in in, uh, this journey. And... uh, Just as we've formed good foundations in our faith, uh, we start to look outwards more as we move towards season three. We start to serve, we start to find our gifts. Sometimes we have no idea what they are and we try different things until uh, we find the right ones. Both natural gifts that are part of our personality and the so-called spiritual gifts, things like prophecy and uh, healing and so on, all of them are spiritual, all of them come from God. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. So as we serve, God does his work in us as well, but we do it for him. Many people find that they move from ministering, being part of a team, to stepping into leadership in some way, leading a team, leading a ministry, leading, helping to lead a connection group, leading worship, lots of different things that we might do. Others find that their gifts are in teaching the Bible in a small group, and then perhaps on a Sunday or uh, using a mixture of gifts in leading and blessing our children or youth. Going back to Paul's story in Acts chapter 11, verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. I think it was 14 years that he'd been there. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. So Paul, or Saul as he's still called at this point, had spent time in his hometown back in Tarsus, learning the basics going through seasons one and two, starting to move into three. Uh, Barnabas recognized that he was gifted and so scooped him up and uh, helped to mentor him. And eventually, uh, it went the other way around. Paul became the leader. It is at the end of this third season, the season of serving, that we need to start to turn inward again in order to move forward. If we move inward, we're able to uh, proceed into season four and experience the love of God in a much deeper way. But many people just in season three work harder and harder and get to the point where they're starting to feel 
uh, exhausted. They may get to the point of dropping everything, and in effect, they just cycle back into season two for some refreshing, for some retraining, and the cycle begins again. They gradually start doing more and more, and then get to the point of exhaustion, and then move back again for retraining and refreshment. And that can happen many times. Others switch church at that point. In effect, they're doing exactly the same thing as others, but uh, they're just doing it in a different location. They simply find their refreshment and uh, these new teaching in a different church. They may feel bored with their current church. They may feel that they've exhausted everything that's on offer, and it seems more exciting to go somewhere else. And some people even get into the pattern of doing that. Uh, I know one family who have been in, in at least five different churches in Oxford in a period of about 15 years, 20 years maybe. These people think that they will achieve greater spiritual growth somewhere else because it looks more attractive, but in fact all they're doing is moving back into season two. They're just doing it in a different location. Some people, unfortunately, because of the pressures of leadership and ministry, Uh, And what God is starting to do inside them even lose their faith at this point. uh, And some just drop out of church, others lose their faith. Ministry has become too much of a burden. And they've lost that first love that they had right at the beginning. In some cases, it's it's simply that people don't know how to move forward. And uh, that's one of the reasons I want to go through this material with you. I recognize this isn't a normal Sunday talk because I want you to understand where you are. You may be able, already be able to see where you are on this journey. You may be able to see which season you're in. But uh, what I would like is to be able to help you to move through the seasons more easily, especially this, the end of stage three. To move forward out of season three, we need to deal with our inner life. Now, there's, that's been true ever since the beginning. You know, there are aspects that God puts his finger on and he tells us. And uh, sometimes it's something we read in the Bible. Uh, One friend of ours who's a musician, uh, after a couple of weeks, suddenly felt God say to him, you shouldn't be doing drugs. Nobody had told him, he just, God told him that. And so there were, you know, there are things that come along. But there's there's a sense in which in uh, the beginning of stage four, we have to go uh, internal uh, a lot more. And so, uh, in between seasons three and four, or at the beginning of season four, there is, a, there is a crisis point where we hit the wall. Problems in life can uh, hit at any stage on this journey, but there is a very specific stage, the wall, sometimes called the dark night of the soul, which comes during this season. It can coincide with an external event, such as a job loss or an illness or marriage breakdown, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, Those things can happen at any stage. But the main thing is it's something that God is doing internally that we need to respond to. And to move forward, as I said, we need to move inward. God begins to deal with deep-seated beliefs that we have about life, about ourselves, about other people, about him. He dismantles false identities and does an intense, and it is intense, internal restructuring. 
This releases us from self-dependency and many ways of operating and coping which we thought were normal because they were just, uh, just such a part of our lives but were actually harmful to us. The result for many people is a challenging of our faith during this stage and some people even lose their faith because they don't have anybody to help them move through. It feels as though someone has pulled the carpet spiritually from under our feet. And uh, to people, for example, who are in season two, who are going through that rather black and white phase, the people in season four who are struggling with their faith can appear very flaky and they can be very intolerant of them. For me, this season of going through the wall took a number of years and I remember wondering, is this ever going to end? Is this the new normal? Uh, and I hadn't a clue what was going on. Um, as it ended, though, I could honestly say that I was glad I went through it. it. Even though it was deeply painful, it was bewildering and confusing. It takes time to do this inner work that God calls us to do. And just as we surrender to Jesus right at the beginning in season one, and really that's a daily thing, isn't it, as we build relationship with him, we do it in season four at a much deeper level. God is restructuring our inner lives, and we have to learn to surrender afresh and to rest in his love as his child as he strips things away that are harmful, things that will prevent us from moving forward. C.S. Lewis wrote, God allows us to experience low points in life in order to teach us lessons that we could uh, learn in no other way. And unfortunately, that's true. And it's true right the way through, but it's particularly true when we hit the wall. Again, going back to Paul's life, it's not entirely clear when this happened for him, but we do get hints of it. For example, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8 we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. And that's, that's what it feels like. It's, yes, we know about you know, Paul being stoned to death and you know, persecutions and all that. Those were the external things. But I think what he's talking about, the being crushed and overwhelmed, this is what was happening inside. But the good news is there is another season after season four, which is convergence. Uh, season five can look very similar to season three because we're directed outward again, with, but with a new sense of purpose. And the way that we minister is different because of a change in the foundation that we have in our inner life. We have a newly grounded center. We've learned new rhythms. We've moved away from compulsiveness and frantic activity uh, externally, it may, it may look the same because we're involved in ministry and leadership in uh, a very effective way. But as the name suggests, convergence, this is where our gifting, experiences and opportunities converge and lead us to extreme fruitfulness. The drive that we often experience in season three is replaced by a peace and a rest, not trying to make things happen, but allowing God to do it. Season six, integration. This is where we are increasingly transformed by the love of God. And so in many ways, it's just more of the same of season five. We're ready to love other people selflessly. 
There's little concern with reputation, personal success or comfort. We are truly authentic. There is an integration of the uniqueness of our personality with the nature of Christ. Dallas Willard in his book Renovation of the Heart says, Earthly things fall away as we grow, yet we also end up feeling more at home on earth. Which is a strange mixture there. We're just content. Paul says, you know, I'm content with riches, I'm content with poverty. It has no power over me. And that pull of materialism, the pull of the need to succeed, all of that is, is dealt with. As we move through from season one through to season six, there are some wonderful changes that take place. We move from serving because we're called to do that, because the church needs it, because the Bible says we should do it, to serving because that's who we are. We just do it automatically. It would be not serving would be like trying to not breathe. It's just so much a part of who we are. We stop getting our identity from what we do, but we move to getting our identity from who we are, from doing to being. We no longer look for acceptance in what we do, but uh, we take our acceptance because we are accepted for who we are as God's children and deeply loved by him. We go deeper and deeper in our trust of God, in his awareness of our presence as something with us minute by minute through the day and of being loved as our primary identity. Uh, One of the books that I read about this, the guy said when he hit season four, God just said to him, I want you to let me love you. And uh, instead of this, you know, pushing through for ministry, it was, no, I just want I just want to love you. That's, that's all you have to do. Just let me love you. It's nice. In season three, most people are still dealing with various pains from the past and maybe handling it very well. Um, but by the time we get to season five, the pain is gone. It's no longer there. Uh, no regret, no feelings of loss or betrayal. Memories of fear and rejection are dealt with and so on. We're we're certainly not perfect. We never will be uh, until we meet Jesus face to face. But we are progressively growing to be more like him. And things that uh, have hurt us that we're, we're managing to cope with, we get to the point where they're just not an issue for us anymore. When we compare the early writings of Paul with his letters that are written at the end of his life, such as Ephesians, it's easy to see the change that has taken place in him. There is a depth and a maturity in the book of Ephesians that is not seen in his earlier writings. He's been on a journey, and you see that just in the way that he communicates and his understanding of who God is and who he is before God. Now, it's not that the other books aren't worth reading. They certainly are. They have incredible truths to bless us. But you can see that Paul has been on a journey there. Towards the end of his life, Paul is able to say, uh, when he writes to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 11, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. That's someone who has reached the season of integration. 
At the beginning, I quoted how Paul encourages us to put effort into our spiritual growth. That Philippians 2.12. Redouble your efforts, be energetic in your life of salvation. But thankfully, it's not just about self-effort. God helps us along the way. We'll look at some of the things that God has given us in more detail next week. But here are just three things that God gives us to help us on this journey. The first one is the Bible. One of the things that became clear in research, and uh, it's several different sets of research as well, is that in every single season, the most powerful tool for spiritual growth is studying the Bible. Some research was done of over 500 churches involving 157,000 people and they found that in every season the most important growth driver was studying the Bible. Not studying the Bible as a theological text but allowing God to speak to us and to direct us. So when you, when you come to study the Bible as a theological text, you place yourself in authority over the Bible, you critique the Bible and you decide what's true. And that's one of the dangers of academic theology. When we come to study the Bible as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we come under the Bible, we come under the Bible's authority, and we allow the Bible to critique us and to tell us what is true or not true in our lives. So it's completely the opposite. So the Bible is really important to us, and I I hope that you are finding some time every day, if possible, to read something from the Bible, just to get some spiritual food into you. Church family and small groups are a second thing that God gives us. Again, the same research showed that being connected to other people who follow Jesus has a huge impact upon our lives. In fact, particularly in seasons one to three, if we're not in a small group, we are unlikely to grow. But in all six seasons, it's essential to be connected to God's family. Coming along, worshipping together is a powerful thing. Being connected in small groups, building strong relationships. These are all powerful tools that God gives us in being able to grow um, as we share life with his people. And that's why connection groups for us are so important. Not only this term will you be discussing the journey together, but you will be supporting and encouraging each other as well. It's in these small groups, particularly in these, uh, the first three stages, that healing and personal growth takes place. When we go into seasons four to six, it's more about us giving to other people. The third thing, just to mention before we finish, is wise friends. Another great help that God gives us is people who are around us who are wise. And these may be people in our connection group, um, perhaps even the, the pastors of that connection group. But I want to encourage you to look out for people who uh, look as though they may be ahead of you on the journey. Um, it's great sharing life with, with people who we're journeying through together and uh, it can be really encouraging to, uh, to come across someone who has just come to know Jesus and to feel the excitement and the freshness that that brings. But if that's not the stage that you're in, you need other people around you as well and you certainly need 
or it's very helpful to have people who are just that little bit ahead of you on the journey so that they can help you. It's very easy to get stuck on this journey, and there's a whole other set of material on that. Uh, and so to have people who have been through some of these things can really help to move us forward in a very helpful way. Uh, particularly when we go through that hitting the wall, the dark night of the soul. That's when it's really useful to have people who can help you walk through that. In your connection groups this week, <clears throat> you're going to pick up these ideas. So hopefully, if it hasn't made sense this morning, there will be an opportunity to kick this around a bit more and to see how this works. Uh, to help with the process... Um, Please would you start, before you, between now and the time you get to your connection group this week, would you think about, maybe helpful just to, to jot down on a piece of paper or on your phone, some of the, spirit, the significant spiritual experiences that you've had. Because as you look at those, that will help you to be much clearer about where you've come from, where you're going to, how far you've got to on this journey and may help you to see quite clearly which season you're in. Every part of this journey is good. Every season is good. And no matter where you are, it doesn't matter whether you're on the far left-hand side or the far right-hand side, the important thing is just to respond to what God is doing for us in our lives at that time. There are good things to learn, good things to experience of God right the way through. Don't feel that you have to rush on to the next stage in order to be... Uh, significant or a success enjoy what God is doing in your life today next week we'll look at some of the other things that God gives us uh, that often called spiritual disciplines or uh, uh, just tools that God gives us to help us progress along this and that will help to enrich our spiritual journey so if you have any questions do feel free to ask um, but uh, my hope is that you will find this helpful and that this will help you to progress on your journey so let's stand together shall we Paul encourages us redouble your efforts be energetic in your life of salvation. And Father, we ask that you'd help us to do that this week. Maybe where we've been just coasting for a while, uh, that you'd help us to fully engage with you, to fully be a disciple who uh, walks with you, who listens to you, who is obedient to you. And we ask that you'd help us to grow. And Father, I want to thank you for the way that your hand has been upon each of our lives. Coming from different backgrounds, different situations, we thank you for the way that you've drawn us to you, for the relationship that we have with you. And we ask that you would take us deeper. We want to know you more. And we want to experience all the riches that you have. And we thank you that Jesus died on the cross for each one of us so that we can be forgiven and set free from Satan's hold. And we thank you that that's not just something that we experience once when we're born again, 
but that uh, you always have more for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would invade our lives again. We pray for uh, those we know who are struggling in their faith at the moment. We ask for your grace and your mercy for them as well. That uh, you would come to them as you do, so gently, so lovingly, and that you would restore them. We pray for people who've been in this church in the past who have dropped out uh, from being part of your body and uh, in some cases who've lost their faith and we ask that you would restore them.